Salutations, everyone, and welcome to another episode of How You Feeling, a podcast dedicated to exploring emotional intelligence in a practical and useful way. As always, I'm your host, Dr. C, and I'm so excited to be here with you today. Today, we're covering the first of two topics that relate to one's state of mind. Uh, today, we're covering the idea of problem-focused thinking, and I'm, I'm very excited to, to jump into this topic and next week's topic because I think uh, these are some of the very useful uh, topics in the uh, the first block of the emotional intelligence quadrant of self-awareness. And so th- this sort of talk always helps to be a good reset for me. And as always, we're joined by our favorite co-host, Dr. Jeff Haverland. Jeff, how are you feeling? Hey, so today is, I, I think I'm feeling pretty good, but we know if we were in class, we wouldn't accept that as a response. So um, I, I think I'm more on the side of feeling very busy right now. Um, at times it moves into that notion of being overwhelmed and rushed, but, but really just, I have a stuff to get done. Um, I'm, I'm chipping my way through it, but, but it just seems to be piling up. I I remember earlier in the week, I was saying to my wife, I'm like, I don't know why we didn't start class already. And now I'm sitting here thinking, Oh my God, thank you. We did not start class. (laughs) No matter. I mean, I don't think I've taken much time at all off over the summer and I still feel like I'm just behind the eight ball. Um, And so, yeah, so I'm, I'm busy. What about you? Well, I was going to say, I'm echo. I'm nodding along with you as you talk because I was just chatting with somebody um, the other day and they said, well, you know, how are you feeling? How's, how's the term shaping up? And like, it's a very weird, like on one hand, I feel like I have all the time in the world. And on the other hand, I'm like, oh my goodness, like I have no time. <laughs> um, and that's a very weird position to be in. Um, because when you look at a to-do list that can either motivate you or scare you to death. Uh, and so right now I think I'm on the, the motivating side. Um, you know, I think we're, we're just trying to, like you said, chip away at the to-do list to make sure that by uh, term start date, we're ready to rock and roll. Uh, but the podcast episodes always give me something to look forward to, to just sort of be in that space. And so I, I, I am always uh, looking forward to recording. So I'm happy to be here. Good. So as I mentioned at the top of the episode, today's topic is problem focused thinking. And before we get into our questions and anecdotes, I think it would be important to sort of set the stage contextually. So Jeff, can you give us an idea of what being problem focused is? Yeah, so problem focused uh, is this idea that we are in this negative state of mind and being in a negative state of mind, it kind of puts us in a place where um, we may, you know, have undesirable outcomes uh, or we may behave uh, in ways that we would prefer not to. Um, And so everything, you know, if we think of this, it um, everything is kind of out of our control. Like the, it's kind of that Eeyore effect, you know, that the, the sky is falling while well, chicken littles, the sky is falling. Eeyore looking for his tail, you know, that there's, there's nothing that, you know, is within our control. So there's nothing we can really do about it. Um, and so these things, you know, this state of mind can be influenced by um, other people. It can be influenced by external factors. I mean, you know, you could drive to school and get cut off uh, on the way. And that could be one of those things that, that just throws your day, your whole day into disarray because really nothing you can do about it, but now you're angry and you're in a weird place. And, um, and so when we talk about, um, uh, this idea of being problem or having problem focused is that, uh, there are four 
limiting beliefs that tend to really align well with this concept. And, and the first one of these is this idea of worthlessness, um, which, you know, you, you feel like you have no value to whatever context you're in. Um, and we know no matter what, this is a pretty dangerous um, core belief to have about yourself because worthlessness can can cause some big problems in terms of the actions you take and the things you you know you might say and so a different one or a second one of these would be this idea of being incapable lacking any ability to to do something or to take control of your situation um the third one would be this idea of neediness um where you're not independent or you require someone else in order to function or do something. Um, and that last one uh, for the core beliefs is this notion of being damaging, um, where you just kind of have a detrimental effect. And so um, you, in, in I, the world of being damaging, you know, you might make it your goal to just kind of unravel everything around you, even if you're not doing it purposefully, um, you just become kind of that bad apple that spoils the whole bunch. And so, um, so worthlessness, being incapable, neediness, and being damaging, um, again, are the four areas, four core beliefs that tend to align really well with problem-focused um, mindsets. So, awesome. so um, anything you'd add to that? No, I, I, I think, you know, I, <laughs> I was watching a children's show with my daughter yesterday. And they were talking about like primary and secondary colors. And when I look at these four sort of limiting core beliefs, you know, I could very easily see these being essentially the primary colors, if you will, and thinking about how they can combine and branch off into more of the secondary core beliefs that that could then be affected by that feeling of worthlessness or incapability or uh, that, that, that I'm the damaging one that always messes everything up sort of thing. Uh, and so I'm sure that some of that will come about from our talk, uh, but it is good to start with that that base because I think it'll help inform uh, our listeners to to where we're going with some of the, the questions that we're asking. All right, so so let's start with this one then. If I were to have just met you, or if I'm out and about, even if it's a friend I have or I've known you for a while, how can I recognize if you are problem focused? Sure. So so what I want to start with. Uh, before I get to that, it, just to remind uh, everyone that when we talk about this, this is, you know, kind of one half of state of mind. And I just want to remind everyone that state of mind is temporary and it's changeable. And so when we talk about being problem focused, I think we all go through phases of feeling problem focused. But if we continue to keep in the back of our mind that that, that state of mind is temporary and that we have the power to change it when we are ready to. That, that hopefully when we, when we couple this talk with next time's talk, we'll start to see some of that more clearly. And so I did just want to kind of backtrack to that because um, I well, don't think glad people are... Say it again. I'm glad you did backtrack to that because that's kind of an important idea in this. Right, because I, I think that, that problem focus is not a personality trait that you always are. It is very much a reality of our state of mind. Uh, and so, okay, so to that end, you know, I think, People who are in a, in a problem-focused state of mind, I think you're going to see it in their body language well before you see it or hear it in their voice. Um, you know, I think, you know, if you feel worthless inside, you probably are walking around slumped shoulders or, you're, you know, your face could be emotionless. Um, 
some of your word choice could could skew more negativity question mark um <laughs> and so I, I i think that typically the physical cues even in in the people who think that they're hiding it the best i think that the physical cues will manifest themselves before you get to talk to that person and so i always just try to look out for you know lack of eye contact um slumpy shoulders um like you said, sort of that Eeyore, like, oh, bother, you know, that sort of thing where it's like that sort of permeates. And that, and that can come from waking up on the wrong side of the bed or receiving unsatisfactory news or, you know, a lot of things can put us into that state of mind. But I think in general, it presents in largely the same way. So that would be my thought. What would you add to that? You know, I I, I think because initially I like the idea of, you know, that posture and all of that. But but then it got me thinking about, like, um, what about people who have serious cases of like RBF, which I think we all do at times. If people glance at you at the right time, you kind of have that look to you like nobody, everybody get away from me. Um, but it, and so I think it, you know, you got to go a little bit deeper, but you're right with the slump, um, with just that demeanor. Um, however, sometimes we want to dig a little further and, and, you know, break the ice with that person, have a conversation with that person. And then I think you're really going to sense where they're at in terms of their tone. Um, and I know from like dealing with my son going off to college, oh my God, there were days where I'm like, initially when he started, I'm like, he would be talking to me and it's like, okay, wait a minute. You gotta, you gotta have a cry about how hard this is and you got to get over it because they are not going to be like, Oh, we feel really bad that you, you are doing a lot of work. They're just going to expect it. So you can go in there and be angry and be um, very negative about the whole process, or you can do like the rest of us did and just put on your, your big boy pants and suck it up and get into it. And so, um, but I could tell in the way, just the tone of his voice and then everything was, no, you don't understand. And it's been such a funny um, experiment with that because he um, he really helped me see what it looks like to be problem focused. And so sure. uh, but he's getting over it and, and which is awesome. Well, and, and I think I'll just add to that to say, you know, I think we, we all go through problem focused phases, but I think it probably most strongly activates when you're in a new situation. When you're around a new group of people or at a new job or a new school where like you don't really have an identity yet. And so it's easy to fall into that of I'm never going to figure my schedule out. I'm never going to figure this teacher out. I'm never going to figure out my boss. And it's like you, you have to give it some time to sort of let it marinate. Yep, I agree. So, OK, so then tell me a time when you were problem focused. <laughs> OK, so I've been thinking about this one all morning because really, you know, sometimes on here, I sound very Pollyanna, everything's great, but I tend to be, um, I find myself more than I want to in these weird problem focused state of mind where, but I've learned to deal with it by just get work, you know, you can't get past it if you dwell on it. And, but I think back to one of the times I remember without a doubt, and it was when I was a freshman at Marquette University, it was at, no, I was a sophomore, sorry. I was taking organic chemistry, um, and organic chemistry is just a weird monster. Um, it's something that you have to invest a lot of stuff in your head. Um, there's 
theory to it, but you cannot visualize what's happening. It gets to be really frustrating and really challenging. And so I had a state of mind at that point. I'm like, I'm screwed. I am never passing this class. I'm never going to um, get into the medical field. The I was try. I wanted to be a medical technologist at that point. Um, trying to that class. I mean, it defeated me on a daily basis. And and I can remember going into that final and just being like, oh, I am 100% shot. Um, but there was something that happened in that moment where I then realized that, okay, if I let this class be, I'm either going to have to take it again, or I'm going to have to completely redirect my career. Um, and so I ended up doing fine in that final. Um, but it was really a devastating state of mind for the longest time because I just didn't get it. And you would meet people who would be like, oh, my God, you, you know, how don't you understand that they can be in these different forms and this is how they bond? And it's like, I don't know, maybe I'm just a moron, you know, and, and I can't put my finger on it. So um, that's probably one of my most vivid ones from sure from being in college or starting off in college, because my God, it felt like I was on the other side of the mountain and the mountain was just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, but you, you have to learn survival skills and you get into this idea. How do I become more resilient? And frankly, if I fail out of this class that has a hundred or 150 kids in it, the chance of the professor even noticing that I was breathing in that room are pretty, pretty small. And sure. so the onus fell on me. And so to me, that's a big moment where I actually reacted in a good way. Um, in a bad way, I've reacted. I've dealt with weight my entire life. Um, and I get into these little, I still do, get into these moments of I'm worthless. I can't figure this out. I don't know what to do. Um, then I find myself self-sabotaging. Um, and, and it really takes it back. And I think the scariest thing with like weight loss is getting into or exercise is getting into like doing starting exercise, starting eating right. And then, you know, being able to stick with it. It's hard for a few days and then you start to slide into the groove where it's part of it. But but that I have not truly been successful in my in, like if, if we go from start to finish, I have not been successful in terms of getting past problem focused thinking in terms of weight loss and weight management. It's been my sure. bane of my existence. Sure. So, so what about you? What, what would you have for an example? Well, I'll, I'll echo without, without going into significant detail, the, the weight uh, struggle. You know, I think anybody that's dealt with it on either end and, and, you know, and I think weight is one of those funny things where, you know, if you're a bigger person, you see a smaller person and go, boy, well, I'd love to be able to eat what you're eating and, and not, <laughs> And, and more often than not, I've, I've found that, that the smaller people will actually sort of respond, well, that, that, that a response I have heard from smaller people is, well, I'd give anything to actually put on weight. Like I, I eat and eat and eat and eat, and I can't seem to put on weight. And so I think that oh, I, I only have the perspective of a bigger person. But when I hear that, you know, it's, it's a great check to say, wait a minute, like thinness is not always the preferred state, especially if you're thin and are actually actively trying to put on weight. So that's always a good, a good smack in my mouth when I'm uh, in the problem focused uh, uh, state of mind of weight. But I think more than anything, if I, if I was focusing on one of those four core beliefs, you know, I think through, through my PhD program, 
And even into the early part of my academic career, I think that imposter syndrome and that, that feeling of, of worthlessness from the, well, you know, I'm not really making a contribution or, or nothing I'm doing is really sticking or, or why isn't it sticking, that sort of thing. Um, and that was even despite my advisor sitting me down on the first day and saying, Kevin, I'm going to tell you right now that, that you need to not compare yourself to other colleagues in this program because all of you have come from a very different um, school or a different you know research experience setting, blah, 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 blah. And so even with that sort of being in my brain, comparison stinks. And, and, and as much as you know you shouldn't, I think that's part of human nature is we look at something or someone else and immediately start doing the, where do I get my boxes checked or where do I get the next, that sort of thing. Absolutely. And so I know that, that, that imposter syndrome and worthlessness can be crippling. Um, and, and one of the things that I did, and I, and I don't know if this will work for other people or if this is even something that happens to other people, but I was encouraged by a, by a mentor of mine to actually create a, a subfolder in my email box called praise. And, and any time that a student or someone would email you and say, hey, thanks for a great class or thanks so much for spending the extra time helping me do that and just save those in that praise folder. And, and when I am in a in a mental state of. Boy, I just can't none of my lessons are hitting or, or none of my advice seems to be going well to go to that folder and read one of those emails and remember, no, you are making an impact, you know, just keep keep your head down and keep going. And so that that has really helped me in that regard. But I know that it, it might not work for everyone. Good. So so let's go then to a, an, another idea. What what is it like to be around somebody who's stuck in that problem focused state of mind? Well, I, ultimately, I think it stinks. But I'll I'll say that uh, with the caveat that your relationship with that other person will certainly go most of the way in helping you to manage that, that relationship. So like if it's someone that you don't really know or you won't be spending a lot of time with and they seem to be sort of in that Eeyore state of mind, it's very easy to move on from that person or sort of cut that toxicity out. But if that person is a family member or a significant other or a child or, or someone that you, you have to see or do see frequently, it's not that easy to just cut that out. And I think that the trick for someone like me who is a, who is a fixer or, or desires to be a fixer, when it comes to, to problem-focused thinking, you know, and, and I think of, like you said, the, the idea of weight, right? Like everybody and their brother can tell you, hey, man, you know, let's walk together or here, let me give you a food plan or here, let me. And, and all the people in the world can try to help, but until you're ready to look yourself in the mirror and sort of come to grips with that, no change is going to happen. And so I think in much the same way, interacting with someone who is problem-focused is very tricky because sometimes it is indeed a cry for help and they would love you to speak up, but other times they just want to be in that moment and they just want, you know, they're sort of having that self-pity party. And we have to be careful how judgmental or how critical we are because maybe they're not wanting to be fixed in that moment. And so it's tough, but, but I would say that I think that the moderating effect on that is the quality and strength of the relationship that you have with that other person, because then hopefully that will help you filter the path you take better than if this was a brand new person that you've never met 
uh, and trying to have to work through that. What about you? It, I think you, you actually hit it exactly where I would, would have gone with it. Um, it is it, being around that person can be very taxing, um, especially if you are, as you said, a fixer, because that's where your brain goes. And frankly, there are times where people, as you said, they don't want to be fixed. They just need a moment. However, I think it would be really great if in that needing a moment, they would be able to verbalize to somebody, okay, I just need this. I need to cry a little. I need to be angry a little. I need to just feel what I feel so I can get back up on this and get going. Um, but often they're not that, you know, they're, they're not that good at verbalizing that. And so if you are a fixer and you take that kind of rejection um, in a negative way, it can cause some issues um, sure. in, in that relationship. So, Well, and I tell you on that point, I've started to ask. So like rather than waiting for them to say, hey, I just really need to be in this moment. I've started sort of offering that and saying, listen, I can see that something's going on. It is totally OK if you if you don't want to talk, but when and if you want to, you know where to find me. Yep. Um, and so rather than putting that burden on them, because asking for help still is one of the things that is the hardest for humans to do. Um, you know, I sort of offer that up front now. And, and this has come through my my training and and growth within the emotional intelligence context that I'll say that off the bat just to let them know I'm here. You're not obligated or, or needing to say anything, but if and when you want to, I'm available. Yeah, that's good. So good. So then what impact, what impact have you seen on your relationships when you are in a problem focused state of mind? Like what sort of effects does it have on relationships when we are problem focused? Um, really coming from personal experience, I don't, I don't think it has a very positive effect on any kind of, uh, uh, relationship you have, um, especially if, you know, you cannot tap out of, um, that problem focus, no matter what people say, no matter what people do. And I talked about my son at the beginning of this, but you know, my daughter does it too. So my daughter's a 15 year old girl who, um, believes that anybody who looks at her, in any weird way um, hates her like it is the craziest thing and they're like do they really hate you yes because and they read so much into it that I mean it I'm almost afraid to look at her some days because it's going to be like oh he hates me now and and so it, you can't snap them out of that and it's a really counterproductive thing and I'll tell you one of my bigger fails as a parent um, is that I will I will do really well trying to coach them through it. And then there's a point where I will just throw down. Like I'm going to tell them that they need to cut the crap. They need to get over it. They need to have a big cry. They need to pull up, you know, get themselves pulled up and get back at life. And then, you know, that's not always the best thing, but I, I do believe, you know, when we think about how our emotions impact other people, we, we have to be aware enough of the fact that, you know, if somebody truly loves us, believes in us, wants to be a part of our lives, we can do a lot of damage to them if we are constantly toxic. And, you know, let's face it, you can push people away. You get oh, people yeah. you don't want to talk to any longer or or they avoid you entirely because of it. And, and that's a really sad uh, reality that I think people find out too late. You know, when they could have stopped it, when they could have done differently or done things differently. Um, personally, uh, like last night, 
so my hearing, I don't know what happened to my hearing. It could have been a lot of concerts, you know, up against the speakers. But, you know, I have this range of hearing that does not work. And I'm in the bathroom listening to music, taking a shower, and my wife's talking to me, and I can't hear her. And then she just yells it louder, but I still can't hear it. And then I just lost my mind, you know, and then I like started this fight. And it took almost an hour, hour and a half for me to finally drag myself out of my stupid state of mind. And just be like, yeah, you're right. Here's what's wrong. I'm frustrated because I can't, I could not hear you. You just kept saying it. It made me crazy. And I said, I seriously was wrong with the way I reacted. Um, but it caused a lot of strain. Like, in, and I don't know if you've ever had these arguments with your wife where you can just feel it in the room. Like it is, it is just this monstrosity that that's ready to consume any. Um, sure. If you don't resolve it, it's just sitting there like waiting, just waiting to pounce. And so um, I think it, it really can do negative things to our relationships. Now, sometimes you have to be negative. You know, sometimes you don't have to be negative, but life throws things at you that are not always happy. And it is OK to be in a problem focused state of mind. I think my biggest learning with all of this is that if it's a relationship that matters to you, then you better be honest about where you're at, how you're feeling, why you're reacting the way you do. And then when all is said and done, if you've made it through all of your feels and all of your problem-focused moments and you owe that person an apology or a thank you, then, then it's something you better give them or you're going to lose your resource. Yeah. And so to me, that's the impact it has. Would you add anything to that? I, I know. I think that was that was fabulous. And, I, you know, I'll just echo that the strength of the of the relationship largely plays a, a big role in dictating how the management process goes on. Because, I, you know, again, I think the more superficial they are in your life or the more tangential they are in your life, the less resources you'll invest in in sort of working through that. But like you said, if it's someone that is part of your village you know it might not the, the fixing or or the, the the talk doesn't necessarily need to happen right away but it needs to happen so that everybody can get back on the same page yeah and i don't know kevin if you've seen it with with college students too but you know we play a lot of roles as college professors people coming in we know a lot of stuff about kids that other people may not know and it you know as my entire life as an educator i've taken a lot of um, things in and internalized and kind of carried that for other people, especially, you know, when I taught even younger students. Um, and it, it really is exhausting and it can just do a crazy amount of stuff to your own psyche. And yeah. I think, you know, a big piece of this is also knowing that I can help you to a point, but there might be a point where I need to get you some other support to help you work further. Because sure. I just don't, you know, it's not in my toolbox at one point or at, at a certain juncture to where I think I'll continue to do you any decent good by continuing on the path we're on. And so, you know, this, as I said, in education, this has taught me well that, you know, you you can deal with problem focus for a long time, but you have to realize where your breaking point is or where your expertise falls out. Um, whether that be legal expertise or even ethical expertise, and then be able to offer that person um, a different avenue to pursue um, 
in addition to you or in place of you. Um, it, Cause you got to take care of yourself when, when it all comes down to it, you know, even if oh, of course your best friend or your husband or wife or girlfriend, boyfriend, you, you, if you're not, if you're not in a good place, you are in no position to help somebody else get to a good place. Yeah. Well, and, I, and as you were talking, it, 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 it reinforced, yeah, that idea that it's sort of that balancing act between wanting to help or, or wanting to be a resource, but also the whole leading them to the water that they have to drink sort of thing. Yeah. And, and I think really and truly, if, if you're committed to learning emotional intelligence and you're committed to growing as a person and moving through the, the four blocks towards relationship management, that at some point it clicks that, yeah, we all need other people to help us. Like nobody really does anything by themselves. But at some point, you've got to take the reins and, and, and take what they've given you or take the tools or take the, the, the offering and, and, and flip it and make it work for you for something you can do for yourself. Yep. But that doesn't, and even for you and I, who have been studying and working with this for, for a handful of years now, we still have lapses in this. But understanding that, that we as a facilitator or we as someone with knowledge in the material can get you on the path, you have to walk the path. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that sort of is the challenge of offering help is how much, how much walking to the path do we need to do before you're ready to sort of stake out on your own? Yeah. Well, I think that really brings us into, you know, the, uh, it's a good segue to say, you know, what does it take to take somebody or shift somebody out of a problem focused state of mind? Uh, So I'll answer this in two ways. Um, For me, I'm big on, for me personally, one of the ways I try to get out of it is through a reflection on gratitude. So I try to, you know, for all the times where I can say, well, nothing is going well in my life because X, Y, and Z, um, I've, I've really uh, leaned into and tried to get very intentional on reflecting on gratitude. And that usually tends to kind of snap me out of it. I also know that recently, as I'm a newish father, uh, just sort of looking in my kids' eyes is a great way to snap me out of it because they don't know any of these struggles right yet. Like I have a two year old and a four month old uh, and, and certainly the four month old, everything is giggles and, and, and raspberries and all that. But even my two year old, and I tell you, I, I don't know how and when kids learn empathy, but my two year old, if she had a mutant power, it would be empathy. And anytime that I look less than whatever my normal is, she looks at me and, and, and if, I, if I'm standing, she looks up at me. And if I'm sitting, she'll come up and actually put her hands on my face. And she'll look at me and go, daddy, okay. <laughs> and like, if, and here I'm even getting like for saying that, like, if that doesn't for me, if that doesn't snap me out of it, then, then nothing's going to snap me out of it. Yep. And so, and so that's always a very like, man, she gets it. Like she doesn't even have words to put to it yet. And she gets it. Um, but from a, not me, but other people's sense. You know, when I look at the four limiting beliefs that make up sort of the, the core of what problem-focused is, one of the things that I try to do with a student or a, or a loved one or a friend or a family member, if they're in that and, and it's clear that they want help, is helping them to focus on the, the part of the core belief that they're feeling that they have control over, trying to ground them in some way. And so, like, you know, I'll look at something like incapability. And, and so 
yeah, maybe the big issue seems daunting or seems, you know, uh, impossible to get done. But why don't we take a couple steps back and look at pieces of it that you can do? Because I think if we can break a larger item into smaller parts, then we can also learn, okay, maybe I really and truly don't know how to do that part. But now that I know that it is a separate part, who do I know that can, who do I know that can do it? Because I think that's the equal part of this and problem focus is that sometimes we overwhelm ourselves, like, like really problem focused thinking plays into problem ownership. And if we don't have a very clear understanding of the problem, it's very easy to feel overwhelmed and problem focused because we're not able to compartmentalize what pieces are ours and what pieces are others. And so I think if you're able to break it down and have that person focus on the, the piece that is theirs, we can gain some of that capability back while also knowing, oh, yeah, I should really reach out to person X, Y, or Z because that's something that they're very strong in. Yep. So that would be my, my thought. What about you? You know, I think if my kids have really taught me anything, sometimes, you know, when you're trying to shift out of that problem-focused state of mind, you know, it may not seem easy, uh, but, but I think you have to be open to whatever life delivers at that moment. I mean, sometimes it delivers humor. I've been in a place where I am just so screwed, I'm never getting out. And all of a sudden, you're just kind of like, huh. And it's funny. It's like this moment, this epiphany where, wow, I have absolutely, utterly failed. But this is kind of funny because I've learned from it. I can do something different, you know. Um, but kids deliver a great amount of um, uh, kind of reality checks. And, you know, I was complaining the one day that I, I'm tired of, like, I just got to get rid of certain weight and all that. And my my daughter said to me, she's like, you know, there's a point in your life where it's okay to have a dad bod. And I'm like, oh, I really appreciate that. But I'm so like that completely shifted my thinking to <clears throat> either own it and have it or do something about it and get rid of it. Uh, sure. But I loved that reality check. And it you know, and so I think if we're open to the universe, I know that's very, um, it, it's an interesting way to put it, but, but sometimes life will help you snap out of those things. Um, you know, and it can be as simple as, you know, everything's horrible today, but I noticed something kind of cool on the way to work and it started to shift how I feel, took my mind off. It got me into something else. So, so sometimes it is just being aware of, of what, everything around you is telling you and if you're lucky enough to have you know like a 15 year old girl in your house it'll be that moment where she just tells you exactly what she feels in the tone that she wants you to hear it and you go whoa okay so it's this really good punch in the throat back to reality um and and so i think if you're open to that you you can shift you can move out of it and i think as we get older we realize that aside from being you know aside from physically dying um, you know, there's, we've always made it through our problems, you know, and that was something that, that I, I, I'm sure I took it, I found it on Facebook one time, but it was a real earth shattering thing. Like, you know, up to this point, you haven't failed to make it through even your worst day. And if you think about that, think about the worst day you have had in your life. And then think of the fact that you are sitting here right now. And if, those two things pieced together, it tells you that it is easy. It's not easy. It is possible to get through 
uh, a problem-focused state of mind into a place where you can do better, you can move on. It doesn't mean you forget what happened. It doesn't mean that you don't necessarily learn from it or think back to it occasionally, but but you just, you did get through it. And I think that is a profound thought for me that sure. eventually we make it and it, we've got to learn from that, but we have to be open to what the, you know, like I said, what the universe is throwing out there. And we have to sometimes just step back and say, okay, this is bad, but I'm still here. I still have the ability to do something different. And then maybe a decade from now, you look back and you're like, wow, that was a really tough time, but, but things are okay now. And, yeah. and so I, it, it's just that has been kind of a huge epiphany in my adult life. Oh, I think that that's, that's really cool. Like, even as you were saying it, my, my mind is like trying to wrap around the, oh, yeah, I mean, geez, it was awful in the moment, but I'm so much further and better and whatever than that now. Yep. But do you take the time to, to let yourself reflect on that? And I think that's the, the root of your point is give yourself the space to go, Oh, wow, I, I did, I did get through that or I did ultimately succeed or what. Yep. Um, so yeah, that's a, that's a great point to leave on. Um, well, good. Well, you know, I think now uh, having concluded with that question, I think it's time to turn it on to you all in listener land. And I think we want to actually just pose that, that question to you. So the last time that you were problem focused, what were some things that you did to to help yourself shift out of it? Uh, certainly, we would be interested in collecting a repository of different things that work for different people uh, and sort of sharing that as a resource, because we understand that one thing works for one person and might not for another. But yeah, so so take some time to think about the last time or two that you've been in a problem focused state of mind and share with us. Uh, two or three things that, that helped you shift out of it. And you can do that by sending your response to either of our engagement channels. You can send it to our email address, howyoufeelingpodcast at gmail.com, how the letter U, feeling podcast at gmail.com. Or you can always send it to us in the Twitterverse at H-U-F podcast. And we would certainly welcome that and respond as soon as we get your feedback. Again, next week or, or next time, we'll be looking at the idea of a solution-focused state of mind. Uh, I'm excited to sort of show the, the juxtaposition of the two ideas on each other. Uh, and I think at that point, you'll learn even more technique to help us shift out of problem-focused thinking. And then the next episode after that will be on the ever-present topic of self-esteem. And I think that'll be a very full and very good episode uh, because there's a lot, a lot, a lot to unpack as it relates to self-esteem. So, Jeff, any final thoughts from you before we sign off? You know, the big thing of this is it's okay to be in a problem-focused state of mind. It's just important that you learn ways to, to shift yourself out of it so you don't dwell in that space for too long. Yeah, I love it. And that was going to be the point I can make, too. I think as you travel down the path of empowerment, the the distance of time that it takes to learn that you're ultimately in control of your thoughts, your feelings, and your behaviors and to do something about it shortens. And so that's what I would say is if you're still new on this path, keep, keep with us and keep with yourself, giving your chance to grow and learn because that, that time that it takes to, to work through some of these 
maybe more negatively tainted issues does get shorter as you learn new ways and new ideas. So stick with us and we promise we're going to keep working with you all to, to help you understand what these topics are and, and how they can affect us. So for all of us here at the podcast, we so thank you for listening. Uh, we would love to continue to encourage you to share uh, the podcasts with friends who maybe haven't listened. We'd love to try to grow our, our audience. And I think referral and, and word of mouth is a great way for us to do that. So be sure to send that link on to someone you think might need to hear from us. Please send your feedback in. We look forward to interacting with all of our listeners. And as always, continue to take care of yourself. Continue to look out for your village. And thanks again for listening to another episode of How You Feeling? Thank you.